Welcome to the Aquas Podcast, conversations about regs, funds, and governance with your host, Daniel Lawler. Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome to the Aquas Podcast. My name is Daniel Lawler from Aquas, and I'm your host for the podcast episode. If you're new to the Aquas Podcast, do hit subscribe on whatever your preferred podcast provider is to be kept up to date as of when we drop new podcasts. So we've been beating the ESG drum for a little while, the environmental, societal and governance factors that go into how investment managers make their decisions. And for this episode, I'm joined by Bill Prue and Victoria Gillespie of Indos. Indos does a number of things, including actually the suppository, but they also have a part of the business that helps asset management firms with their own ESG compliance, understanding how it is that they incorporate that into their investment processes documenting and making sure that that is a living part of what they do. So for the episode, I was very interested to chat about in the immediate future, the uh, new requirements coming into effect in March of 2021, gosh, not too far away now, on disclosures for sustainable finance, and what impact that's having on firms and how they're going to apply, but also a little bit further down the tracks, looking at how firms can demonstrate that the investments that they've made are actually as green as say. So some interesting challenges around that. But to begin with, chat about asset management firms themselves and the need for the firms to take into account their own impact on the environment and what have you when it comes to the way that they run their business. Because you can't really ignore that and then expect to tell a convincing story about ESG in terms of the portfolios that we run. So that's the beginning point. Key message though from the podcast is Get started now on your ESG compliance for the sustainable finance disclosure regulations because March 2021 will roll around very quickly. So I know the to-do lists are long. Here's another item for them. It's going to creep up quickly. If you want to do it and do it in a, in a way that'll make any kind of important difference, uh, really the time to begin is now. Okay, on with the podcast. Hello, Bill and Victoria, and welcome to the Equest I'm delighted to have you guys here to educate and teach us all about ESG. Hi, Danny. Pleased to be here. Yes, thank you for having us. Oh, it's great, great to have you guys. So I guess um, in lockdown, Bill, you, you would have been a frequent traveller from, from the UK over to Ireland. Uh, and in lockdown, all that must have stopped. So your, your carbon footprint must be a lot smaller. Yeah, it is. And I think the whole industry's well, and the environment's benefiting from COVID, uh, quite well publicised, obviously, the, the sort of uh, significant reduction in, in air travel. And air travel is a big uh, contributor to a firm's sort of carbon um, footprint. I guess the, the, uh, the thing that firms need to start thinking about now, though, is that you know, whatever the new normal is, then there's going to be other factors that are going to impact a firm's carbon footprint. So... For example, you know, more heating at home through the winter months for all your staff and things like that. And due to some of the technicalities as to how you calculate your carbon footprint, um, the so-called scope three emissions, which is, you know, um, use of electricity and heating, et cetera, at home are outside the scope of the normal calculations. So firms are going to have to adapt if they're certainly going through sort of carbon neutral processes and calculations will have to sort of adapt for that new normal. Um, yeah, absolutely. It, it always changes. And I guess when you look at firms there, Bill, and I, I think this is important, for the cynics who view, who might view ESG as 
greenwashing or is an opportunity to, to, to tell a story, but, but there's not really much to it beyond that. It is important that not only the firms that are the firms invested in, but the asset management firms uh, are also living this and applying ESG and sustainability to what it is that they do and how they run their business and looking at things like carbon. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, we always are at pains to stress that ESG in the asset management industry is not just about, you know, the portfolio and the, and the sort of considering ESG factors within the investment process, but what managers can and can and should be doing is looking closer to home at what their own ESG policies are. And it's something that, you know, I guess some types of portfolios don't necessarily lend themselves well to sort of trying to take into account ESG characteristics, but certainly all managers can do their bit in terms of looking at their carbon footprint, trying to become carbon neutral, looking at corporate social responsibility um, and all those sorts of factors. So. Um, and I think increasingly investors are looking for managers to demonstrate that they are taking it seriously as an organization. And the other, of course, is that, you know, and this is where we've benefited as a firm by focusing a lot on ESG and, and sort of corporate social responsibility internally, the employees expect it nowadays. So employees, other stakeholders. So, you know, increasingly, I think firms that don't deal with address this properly at a management company level, are going to find it hard to, to retain and um, recruit the, the best staff. And Victoria, do you find that firms are receptive to this? Like, I mean, I guess it's a very obvious inconsistency if they're saying one thing about how they invest, but they're doing something completely the opposite, how they run their own business. So they're kind of surprised that you're looking at them when you start to talk to them about ESG. They say, well, what are you doing? Do they kind of think it's, it's all for, for the portfolio? Um, actually, we've, we've had a mixture and that's quite pleasing in a way because I think the perception is exactly the way that you've just explained it. Um, but actually, we're finding a lot of managers are quite open because they're embracing the process and to be able to explain it, they need to pursue their own policies and work out how that impacts themselves. So part of that training process is really understanding the impact, understanding what the investors want and really doing, as Bill said, doing what they you know, practicing what they're preaching in terms of the, the funds. So for us, it's quite a pleasing trend. And, you know, we've worked with a couple of managers and um, being able to take them through that process. And I guess... Um, the Which is good. It's a relatively straightforward is... process. It's relatively easy to do. And it will become the more... Yeah, there's loads of pluses as a result of doing this. And it's a relatively easy process to follow. Yeah, I was going to say, there's nothing like market forces to... Um change behavior. So one thing having rules and kind of, I guess, if you're at the receiving end of them, it could be kind of grudging that you, you comply. But if you find that investors stay away from you because of your, your approach to how you do ESG and sustainability in your own business, or people won't come and work for you because of it, mm. I find uh, they're much more inclined to buy in and, and change and, and embrace change. Exactly. I mean, these not the point here is that it's not new. Um, albeit in the investment management world, it seems to be you know relatively um, you know recent trajectory in terms of people embracing these changes and undertaking this process. Um, but you know for our clients, and we we're seeing that if you don't do this, you're more an outlier. So you know you suppose you flip it and say, well, why would you not do this? Yeah, and I guess as an industry asset management, we'll probably we look at ourselves and we're in offices and we're you know we're not out digging coal mines or 
uh, polluting the environment that way. Um, or, you know, it's that heavy industry, it's not petrochemicals, we're not making arms. So you kind of view yourself, oh, we're pretty good. We're, our impact on the environment and what have you is, is negligible. So this doesn't really apply to us. But um, I guess that's not the case now. They're, they're much more conscious that they, they need to act the same as everybody else. I think that's right. But of course, you know, clearly the asset management industry has got a big role to play in influencing positive change within um you know the companies that they invest in and i think that's the, the, the crux of this isn't it that whilst they might not have a direct you know material carbon footprint for example as an asset management business they can certainly influence um depending on their strategy some probably lend more than others perhaps but um yeah they can certainly influence positive behavior at the underlying companies Absolutely. You look at the, the trillions of assets under management and, and the influence that that can have on firms that are being invested in. So obviously we know uh, March next year is day one for disclosures regulation. Um, I, I was thinking about it before. That's not too far away. Like when you take Christmas out of that and you're really only talking about five months of, of effort between now and then. Uh, and there is quite a bit for, for firms in the asset management industry to do. Uh, how are you finding firms reacting, Bill? Are they are they all over this? Is it a lastminute.com job? Uh, look, I think, I mean, the, the, these um, sustainable finance disclosure regulations or SFDR, as people are calling them, is just one part of what I think must be the, you know, the whole sort of uh, sustainability agenda and the regulations coming out of Europe. And like, this is just one part of, I think, four different um, pieces of regulatory change coming out of Europe around sustainability. Um, so there's going to be changes to AFMB, USIT, MIFID uh, 2. Uh, there's a framework regulation talking about taxonomy of uh, environmental, you know, what, what, what amounts to environmental, environmental sustainable um, sort of factors, etc. Um, the first one that is going to hit is SFBR. Um, I think, you know, there's, there's so much um, information and news and noise around ESG. It's hard to see the wood for the trees sometimes. I honestly don't think that the that many managers have really started to look into this and embrace it. And I guess um, you know you've got Brexit in between as well, which um, is going to occupy some minds as well in the industry. So it, it, at the end of the day, though, depending on which part of the industry you're looking at, SFDR, um, unless you're a Sort of 500 person plus uh, business or if you are um, specifically sort of running ESG um, sort of labeled or, or specific uh, investment products, SFBR for most firms in certainly in, in the alternatives industry should be a case of just defining your policy um, and disclosing it on your website about how you, you take into account sustainability facts in your investment process. So um, we see it as a, frankly, a good opportunity for firms that haven't already done this to at least start to articulate what their policy is. Because whether it's regulations or investors or employees, you can't ignore it. Um, and what are you going to do? Put a, put a statement on your website to say that you don't consider any of these factors at all. Um, I think that's going to you know, stand out like a sore thumb versus your competitors. So I think firms have to embrace it. Um, but we're not seeing a lot of firms embracing it just yet. Yeah, 
Yeah, not not unusual when new regulations come in that it's later rather than early that the firms end up getting to grips with. And I guess if you are very active and you're very much promoting yourself as in the ESG business, you're all over this and you understand it. But but I think it's the the majority, the big part where it's not something they're actively pursuing. It's not something that's actively at the top of their list. But as you said, nobody is going, nobody doesn't consider sustainability when they make an investment. But maybe it's just now that they start to articulate what it is that they look at and, and how important that piece is to them. Yeah, I mean, we, we um, uh, stress to managers when we talk to them that this is, as you say, you know, you know, maybe not sustainability, but they certainly will have considered governance factors, for example, as the, the G of ESG. Um, obviously, all the regulations focusing on the environmental and sustainability side, less so than social impact and, and, and governance. Um, but the starting point for any manager is just to articulate what they do today. And when we've had conversations with uh, managers, they and you talk them through some of this stuff, and you say, well, this is what would be in a you know, a decent sort of manager and fund level uh, ESG policies. Oh, yeah, we, we consider that. We do that. Of course, we look at that. So I think it's just articulating what you do and also recognizing that, you know, you don't have to start with a Rolls Royce. You, you just articulate what you do and, what, and, and set out what your, your journey is. Um, what's been really interesting um, for, for Indos and our conversations is, as you probably know, Danny, you know, our, our background years ago was really focusing on providing depository services to alternative funds. And I can't think of a time when we had a CIO of, of, uh, of one of our clients actually show much interest in what we do as a depository. It was very much a, a sort of a, uh, an operations uh, compliance type um, role. You start talking about ES&G. Um, and then you get the CIOs joining the calls because they're really interested to learn. You've got people that this is a whole new sort of um, game for, for, for many people in the industry, certainly those that have been in the industry managing funds for, for a long time. It's a big learning curve. And they really they recognize that. I think it's, it's pretty obvious how people recognize that, um, you know, environmental factors, for example, or social um, and others can have a material impact on on uh, you know valuation of securities um and therefore they need to uh, be considering this in their investment process i mean it just so happens now that you've got as i say changes coming through to a from b usits etc where firms are going to under those regulations have to demonstrate how they're taking into account sustainability factors in the investment process but, but i guess my point is that the cios are embracing it because they recognize the importance of it and as you said i guess when they start to think about it, they realize that there's an amount of this that they already do around governance, say. Um, and are they receptive then to saying, well, actually, do you know what? We do, we're pretty good at G. Let's, let's, we kind of understand that environmental is important, but actually now let's, let's be a little bit more specific about how we do our due diligence on it and take it into account in our valuation. So it gets it out there on the, in the conversation and, and then, they embrace it and, and take it on. Is that kind of how it works, Victoria? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we, we realise as well, there's not just, you know, the attraction there, but also there's, you know, the finances that, that, that back this up. So in terms of sustainable funds over the last sort of year, um, Morningstar reported that actually they were up compared to their, um, you know, their industry peers and more traditional based funds. So, you know, you've got the 
incentive, the financial incentive as well. So it's not just the regulatory side, it's also the financial um, impact too. And so once you've kind of taken a firm through that process and they've mm -hmm. judged, actually they're doing some of this already and, and now they want to, want to articulate that, they start from where they are and they, they, they are, but they're mindful of incorporating more into what they do for, for a variety of reasons. Um, when, when they start to look at their investments then and they're trying to ensure that what they're investing in is actually sustainable, or is actually has a certain impact on the environment that they expect. Do you, how do, how do they go about verifying that? Because this seems to be where the, the real crux of the matter is. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's challenging. I mean, I think, um, you know, you said there's a lot of, um, you know, different regulation, etc. There's a, there's a lot of, um, you know, different uh, data sources, a lack of consistency between the data. There's a whole sort of, um, you know, part of the, the accounting standards industry and, and sort of um, bodies that are trying to put a, a framework and a taxonomy around, you know, ES and G factors. Because ultimately, you know, you need, you need the companies that you're investing in to, to be, um, you know, publishing in the report and accounts, etc. Um, you know, properly um, audited information, which enables analysts to sort of interpret that. Um, in, in the meantime, um, you know, if, if I guess firms can try to leverage some of the, the ESG um, sort of specific data providers that have, you know, there's a whole industry that's uh, been developing more rapidly over the last few years around uh, ESG data provision. Um, but I think that's one of the challenges here is that, you know, you, people often say if you compare, you know, Tesla um, in terms of environmental ratings across the different data providers, you get some quite different results. So, um, you know, how do, how do managers sort of sift through all of this and, and, um, and, and sort of factor into their investment process is actually quite challenging for them. And I guess the point with data isn't so much that it's bad today or it's, you know, the quality isn't where you'd want it to be today. I guess they're starting from a pretty low base. But the, the important thing is that it is get, it gets better and you can see a continual pattern of the data getting better. So it's not that it has to be perfect today, but in five years time, we should be looking back and seeing that the data today compared to the data in five years time is, is infinitely better uh, in five years time. And that's really where, where we want to get to, sure. Yeah, and it will be, no doubt. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a rapidly evolving space, this. Um, in terms of sort of trying to set accounting standards and, and for for disclosures and consistency and, and having those audited and things like that. So undoubtedly it will improve over time. Um, I think that you know as managers have to you know use obtain various different data inputs, treat them with a degree of skepticism, but they certainly, you know, they are necessary inputs into the process now. And so then in your role, um, I guess as a depository firm, do you have to then oversee what the investment manager, the Manco, is doing to verify and certify that they're as green as they, they say they are? And how do you go about doing that bit? Yeah, well, look, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, obviously, I mean, this would apply to any, any depository or, or Manco, frankly, that was acting for a fund that was uh, an ESG labeled fund and no doubt would have some ESG investment restrictions, then you know, I think the obligations of the Manco and the depository are to ensure that that fund is being managed in accordance with those objectives. Um, and that 
output. Therein lies the, the reason why Indos um, started to sort of pivot its attention towards ESG getting on for two years ago now, because we could see that there was this rapid growth and investor interest, et cetera, particularly within the alternative space, but obviously more traditional funds as well around ESG. And we said, well, look, you know, a big part of what we do is to independently sort of review portfolios and making sure they're complying with, you know, what they say on the pin in the prospectus. So if we can just, um, you know, build some relationships with some ESG data providers, then we ought to be able to screen portfolios for uh, for ESG compliance. And, and if we had a fund with an ESG investment restriction, we would have to do that today. Um, so we set off on this journey thinking that, well, there, there must be a, an opportunity in the market here to produce independent sort of transparency reports on portfolios to sort of shine a lens on the portfolios in terms of their ESG sort of characteristics. But, but And I think longer term, there is a, a market there and there will be a demand um, there. But what we found is um, managers aren't ready for that um, and investors aren't pushing managers for that. But what where managers do need to, to progress and, and um, focus their attention is, as we've been saying, putting in place the basics around the, the policies and, and showing how they're incorporating these factors into their investment process. We, we ultimately think that transparency um, you know, will follow. So that's kind of something we, we continue to develop. But... Uh, the market's just not there for it at the moment. Okay, uh, well, I guess it's it's often the case with newer developments that it, it takes a little while for, for everything to play out. But as we get towards, say, look, look a little bit nearer in the time to, to March of next year, um, are there kind of three key things that one providers need to do between now and then? And, and what are the, the big pain points that they've just got to make sure they're plan for and that they, that they kind of sidestep and, and get through this as easily as they can? Well, I mean, I think the sooner they start working on their um, policies, the better. Um, there is a, an awful lot of information out there in the market. So this is not an uncharted territory. I think you can, um, you know, there's various industry bodies, et cetera, that have been doing a lot of work. I mean, you don't have to, obviously, you don't probably, I won't be, Favour of the month for saying this for UNPRI, but you know, there's a misconception that you have to join bodies such as UNPRI, which I don't think in, in the early stages of your ESG journey necessarily need to do. But they are another example of a lot of information out there to provide uh, guidance and information and examples and so on. So I think the sooner firms start that process, the better, um, because as you said at the, right at the beginning, it's not that far away March. Um, and that's really the main thing they need to do. Um, I suppose the other part of it is is if investors, I mean, I can't imagine that investors are not talking to their um, underlying managers about this, but you really need to understand what your investor um, sort of appetite and, and sort of needs and wishes are around ESG, because clearly, um, you know, whether you've got the, the sort of product governance changes coming through regulation, where you have to consider your investors' um, sort of requirements in this area. I mean, it's obviously that's who managers exist to uh, to serve, isn't it? So you have to understand what your investor requirements are, and then factor those into your processes and policies as well. And so, kind of wrapping wrapping all this up, Victoria, do you think this will work? So that the ESG, uh, the, looked at the disclosure regulation, but the regime as a whole and the agenda being pushed by Europe. Uh, it's intended as a force for good to to improve 
all aspects of ESG and sustainability. Do you think it will work? Do you think we look back on this in 10 years' time and see a shift or, or not? Is this, like, I mean, March is going to roll around. 99% uh, of providers are going to call their lawyers for a template, stick the name, pop it in, and that's as much as ESG is going to do. No, I don't. I don't think a terribly it's a cynical one. view. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds it. Um, I don't think it's a one-off. I mean, as we said, you know, previously, this hasn't just you know, it hasn't just got here. It's been around for a long time, albeit there's a slow evolution. But I think with the natural um, or with the more recent regimes that have come into play, I think that people are taking more of an interest. And yeah, you know, as I said previously they're looking at the financial um, upside of incorporating and embracing this as well. So it's not just a case of it's another thing we're here to do. It's going to be led by the investors. The investors are going to expect it. You know, the future investors over the coming years are going to expect it. So why would you not do it as a manager? So I think to answer your question, I think it's here to stay. And I think the, the you know biggest thing for us is even the upside of what's been caused within the industry and certainly the upshift in the sustainable funds and the inflows that have increased as a result of COVID-19. I think that proves to us that this is here to stay because it's at the forefront of investor minds. And if it's driven by them, the managers are going to, to need to address it. So we think the financial services market as a whole is going to be the driving force behind this to really force it over the line. Money talks. Absolutely. Money talks. Uh, last word to you, Bill. Um, it seems to me that that really the, the firms that will succeed here are the firms that believe. So if you're going through the motions and it's another compliance and you're going to have to put in a policy in place because that's what the rules say, well, then that'll be as, as good as you are. But if you have a firm that actually believes in ESG and sustainability, believes it's good for investor outcomes and it's something that investors want and they can deliver well and embrace this, then they're the firms that are going to succeed when it comes to ESG. I don't think you can blag your way through it. No, I'm not think that's inevitable. It's the same as a lot of things, isn't it? Um, I don't disagree with that at all, Danny. So we wait and see. Thank you guys for your time. Very much appreciated. It's, it's such a huge part of the agenda at the moment, ESG. Uh, it's really good to get some insights on what it means for firms and how they're going about tackling it in practice and, and hopefully where all of this takes us in a few years' time that it, it has proven to be a force for good and good returns for investors as well. Thanks, guys. Catch you next yeah, time. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you Danny. You've been listening to the Aquas podcast. For information about our training and advisory programs or our academy, visit aquas.ie. For more resources on regs, funds, and governance, check out our YouTube channel, Daniel Lawler, R-U-R-Q.